illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from, actually, you're not at Twin Pines Vineyards Airbnb. You're actually, I'm not. You're at the parking lot of the uh, Chipotle. In Woodburn, yes. In Woodburn. It is the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, yeah, you're doing this one remotely tonight. I, I, I am, I am. Uh, I, I always tell you whenever we talk, I'm always like, I work a lot. I work a lot, right? Well, I, I'm in between shifts right now. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, so I got, I got an hour and about, what, about an hour and a half? Yeah, about an hour and a half to get yeah. this done. We got to do this so you can go get something to eat then. Exactly, exactly. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our insight, experiences, and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgate, and have some fun along the way. Remind everyone, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device, on the Stitcher Radio app, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, uh, anywhere that your favorite podcast catcher is, you can listen to us. Remember to subscribe to us, too. What? I'd be curious on how where our furthest listener is and how many people we got. I'm still I'm still curious. Yeah. I mean, are we at, have we broken ten yet? Do you think? Ten? Uh, I think we're at twelve. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome! I was uh, just hoping for double digits. I didn't think we'd get that far. If if so. you want to get in touch with us, HeinerTailgaterGmail.com at HeinerTailgater on Twitter, also HeinerTailgater on Facebook and Beach. Guess what? What? Listener feedback. I love listener feedback. I'm just glad somebody does this. So my, my time is not in vain. What do well, we got? Who, who called us? Who, who wrote to us today? So, somebody sent us an email. Okay. It was Kyle. Okay. I hate you, Kyle. But he did send some. This says, listener feedback. I do enjoy the rabbit holes you two fall into. Keep up the good work. It makes my Tuesdays in the fall enjoyable. Oh, I'm glad somebody likes it. Well, and so. I, I also got some more listener feedback this week. Two? Well, yeah, this one. Two? Was, yeah, this one was from. I can't do just two. And I don't, okay. I don't have it sitting right here. But this one was from listener Doug, and he actually kind of gave me crap because we will talk about it later. We didn't talk about the nationally ranked cross country women's cross country team that was competing in Monmouth Ooh. this week. Well, and I, I, I had I, no clue. I, I know I did look for it. I couldn't find any good information about it. So I didn't include mm-hmm. anything. We do have some this week. Okay. So with good. that, are you ready to get into some Beaver Sports news? So ready, Billy. I'm 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 just I'm out of control. All right, Beach. Well, we're going to start with women's cross country. Wow. I don't know what to think about women's cross country. I I I, I tell tell me something, Billy, so I can have an opinion. 
Well, Beach, Oregon State kicked off their postseason in friendly territory as the Beavers hosted the 2019 Pac-12 Cross-Country Championships in Monmouth, Oregon on Friday. Now, the, is that typically where is that typically where cross rot- country goes? Is Monmouth? It rotates. It rotates uh, with uh, different schools hosting the event. But this race was contested at Ash Creek Preserve, the first dedicated cross country course to host the Pac-12 championship. Now, featuring a hotly contested women's field, the Beavs faced five Pac-12 opponents out of the national coaches polling, including three in the top five. Now, after running a program-best sixth-place finish last year, the Bees ultimately showed a strong outing against tough competition to finish in seventh place with multiple runners stepping up to the challenge. Oregon State was led by redshirt junior Lexi Reed, who finished in 28th place and moved up nine spots from last year's race. Now, Reed has remained consistent all season and throughout her career as she's made significant improvements each year at the conference meet. Behind Reed, the Bees were led by Audrey Luckner in 41st, Megan Lowe in 42nd, Mari Friedman in 44th, Greta Von Kalker in 50th for a total of five beeves to finish in the top 50. Now the postseason continues November 15th at the NCAA West Regional Championships in Colfax, Washington. The top two teams in each race will secure an automatic qualifier into the national meet with at-large selections to be announced later that weekend. Is the top 50 considered good? How many people are running? It's pretty good. I don't know how many I, beach. I don't know a lot about women's cross country, but each school starts, you know, runs a lot of girls at once. So it's not like one from each school. There's there's a whole mess okay. of them that go. How far do you run? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure how long the course is. How cross long country. Is you know, the, I I I stand by. I think it goes back to the oh. future three. Run for fun. Uh, it's three point one miles. Okay. Okay. That's what it says. So oh, hold on. So essentially you could say it's like running a marathon off-road. Um, college men typically com- compete on eight or ten kilometer courses while women race five or six. Okay. <clears throat> like a 5K. Yep. There you go. All right. All right, cool. Beads. Let's move on to women's volleyball. Always love women's volleyball, Billy. Uh, let me get comfortable for this one. Recline the seat here a little bit. Okay, I'm ready. Cicely Max Brown registered nine kills to pace the Oregon State offense. But the Beavers volleyball team fell in three sets at number five Stanford last Friday evening. The only butts we should ever have in volleyball should be the cute little ones that are in the tight little spandex bottoms. That's what the butts that I want to hear, Billy. Well, Beach, the Oregon State volleyball team rallied to take a set and stay alive in the third but fell to number 20 Cal Saturday evening at Haas Pavilion. Now the loss drops the Beavs to 19 and 14, or excuse me, nine and 14 overall, three and nine in Pac-12 play. Now the Beavs will return home for the next two weekends to host the Washington and Arizona schools to complete the home portion of their 2019 schedule. They host Washington State Thursday at six, and then Washington on Sunday at 10. Okay. Sorry about that. Up next, Beach, women's soccer. Ah, well, hopefully, again, the only butts we talk about in this one are the cute little ones running around in cute little soccer shorts. Oregon State women's Please so- tell me. Please tell me, Billy. Please tell me there's no butts other Oregon, than those. Oregon State women's soccer team fell to number 13 UCLA on Thursday night, 4 to nothing at Lorenz Field. There's no butt anyway. Nope. No. Okay. Then on Sunday, the women battled U.S. number 11 USC for 90 minutes to a 1-0 loss. <laughs> I was trying not to say but. Uh, <laughs> the uh, so they played for 90 minutes. No negative time on that one. They just they don't they I didn't don't have to make up time. Keep that stuff in college. I think they actually stopped the stupid clock. That's nice. Yeah. You would think that. Yeah. Well, you know. Like we've always said, soccer is, is, you know, the reason why it's the most popular sport in the world, because all it takes is four rocks and a ball and a watch, really. And so that's probably why they go into negative time, because places across the world that actually have soccer don't have a stop clock. Probably, Beach. What do you bet? I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, that's probably why they go into negative time. Well, Beach, so the women will four be... Four rocks, a ball, and a watch. There you go. The women will be back Thursday evening at 7 p.m., for the final game of the regular season as they play host 
to them damn dirty ducks in the Civil War and Senior Night. All right. Next up is wrestling. The Oregon State wrestling team opened its season on Wednesday night inside Gill for its annual Orange and Black duel. The Black team, coached by assistant Ian Miller, edged out the Orange squad, coached by assistant Taylor Meeks, by a final score of 26-25 after a 13-bout scrimmage to kick off the team's 2019-2020 campaign. But the Beavs are now idle until they open the regular season on November 9th at the Mountaineer Invitational in Boone, North Carolina. Oregon State returns back to the friendly confines of Gill Coliseum on January 10th for a duel against Northern Colorado at 7 p.m. Mm. All right. Always love, uh, always love wrestling. Yeah. Mainly stuff. because, well, we have a wrestling program. Yep, and those damn dirty ducks don't. I'd use different uh, adjectives, but okay, sure. Yep. All right, Beach. time for some women's basketball. And how is how are Ruick and the girls doing? Well, the number six-rated Oregon State women's basketball team tallied another dominating exhibition performance on Friday evening as they took down Concordia 106-45 at Gill. Senior Michaela Pivik put up a triple-double going for 14 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists. Redshirt junior Destiny Slocum led all scorers with 24 points, knocking down six three-pointers and dishing out nine assists. Now, the Bees exploded out of the gate, taking a 15-2 lead within the first three minutes. They then parlayed that into a 32-9 advantage at the end of the first quarter. OSU was up 57-25 at the break. The second half featured more of the same, as the Bees extended the lead to 84-39 at the end of the third. Then they outscored Concordia 22-6 in the closing period to wrap up the 61-point victory. Beach. The Beavs' preseason slate wraps up tonight with the game against the USA Women's National Team at Gill Coliseum. Are, are you are you keeping up to date on that as we speak? I am. And the Beavs gave Team USA a run for their money on Monday night, but a 36-31 to 31 halftime deficit turned into a 17-point lead for USA after a 12-1 to 1 run to close out the third period. The game ended in an 81-58 win for Team USA. Now in the game, Destiny Slocum had 15, Aaliyah Goodman 14, and Michaela Pivlik 10 for the Beavs. At least there was no but. Well, but that was that was actually very encouraging by the Beavs. Okay. Yeah, don't you think? I mean, I I, I, I wouldn't have. I, I would. I'm, I'm encouraged by that by that outcome. Yeah, who's uh who are who are ranked above them? If, if Oregon State's number six. Uh, well, Oregon's ranked number one. I believe Stanford is ranked. Eh, making me pull this up right now, Beach. This is why. Now, did, and now where did Oregon got knocked out in the final four. Did Oregon get knocked out in the final four last year? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. But they still got a strong team going into this year. Yeah. Let me see here. God dang it. Okay. Hold on here. You make me look this stuff up. You know, I, w- I would just think that by now, after freaking God knows how many years of us doing this crap, you would know the stupid questions I would ask so you could be prepared. Nope, your stupidity always I mean, dumbfounds me. I'm freaking rod-dogging. What? I said your stupidity what? Your stupidity always dumbfounds me. Ugh. Okay, so here's the ESPN rankings. Oregon's in at one, Baylor in at two, Stanford at three, Maryland at four, UConn at five, Texas A&M at six, Oregon State at seven. I thought yeah. we were ranked at six. Uh, this is the that was the uh, AP poll. The coaches poll has Oregon State at six. Usually, when they've got two different rankings, I just give the higher one. So okay. again, Oregon's ranked one in that or the, one, or the or the low or the low or the low or the, the lower one. The better ranking. Oh, okay. okay. I would say they're ranked higher. If you're ranked number one, that's the highest ranking you can have. Okay. All right. Um, but also ranked. All right. The, also ranked in the top twenty-five beaches. So you have Oregon, Stanford, Oregon State, UCLA at eleven, Arizona State at twenty. You know, there's there's a lot of teams ranked. So Pac-12's got a pretty solid. If if you're doing well in the Pac-12, you're doing really well nationally. Period. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. All right, Beach. Uh, we got a little men's basketball news. Oregon State cruised to a 96-45 win over Warner Pacific on a Tuesday evening exhibition game at Gill. Trace Tinkle led the Beavs with 19 points, while Jared Lucas added 13, and Alfred Hollins and Gianni Hunt scored 12. 
The Beavs had 27 assists on its 34 baskets and shot 87% from the free throw line. Now, with the game tied 8-8, the Beavs went on a 29-2 run to take a 37-10 lead at the under-8 media timeout. It led 49-18 at halftime. The Beavs now open their 29-2020 regular season against CSUN. I don't know what that is. Cal State. UN at 8 p.m. on Tuesday, November 5th at Gill. The game will be televised live on Pac-12 Network. At 29 to two, quite the uh, quite the uh, run. California State University Northridge. That's I, what I was just looking up for. Yeah, me too. I well, it's one of those ones they don't have football anymore. They dropped their football program a few years ago, so I forget about mm-hmm. that Cal State Cal State school. There's so many Cal gotcha. CSU schools too. You know, mm-hmm. so many of them. So, A little bit of football news. On Monday, Oregon State linebacker Omar Spates has, was named the Pac-12 Conference Freshman of the Week. Spates from Philadelphia led Oregon State with 10 tackles in the team's 56-38 win over Arizona the past weekend. He told one tackle for loss and a half sack versus the Wildcats. But his 10 tackles equaled his season best set against Utah on October 12th. Now, Spates is the first Oregon State freshman to earn a Pac-12 honor since both Sean Mannion and Scott Crichton were recognized on October 24th, 2011. He is also the first true freshman since Jaquiz Rogers on November 8th, 2008. Beach. Okay. Billy. I can't believe you actually brought that damn teletype in your truck. You know, the son of a bitch plugs into my, my USB port. Are you kidding I had an update. Me? Oh, nice. No, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's pretty slick. Okay, you ready for this? Of course I am. All right, hold on, hold on. God dang it, this thing's tight in here. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> ah. With the recent NCAA ruling, Nike has extended... Uh, name and likeness compensation pa- compensation packages to the nation's top high school athletes who choose to attend the U of O. Imagine the Ducks that. recruiting class of twenty, the Ducks recruiting class of twenty twenty now has a higher total payroll than the entire player and coaching staff of the New York Yankees. This has been your update from Eugene. I know that's just that whole thing. Like I said, I knew it was coming, um, just because that's the way things were moving. But it's it's I'm gonna be interested to see how they implement this whole thing. I was absolutely surprised that the uh, NCAA ruled unanimously to allow it when they seem to be such staunch opponents of it. Well, when California passed their little little uh, effort well, they, about a week they, or two ago. They, they, like I said, there was that committee headed up by Condoleezza Rice a number of years ago, and that's one of the things they said that uh-huh. this needs to be addressed. The compensating. Student athletes needs to be addressed. They didn't say how, but they said mm-hmm. it, you need this. Something needs to change about this. So you knew it was coming, but it'll be interesting to see but, how it's implemented. So, I mean, I guess you you got. I mean, here here's my question: How who is to stop the name and likeness compensation from coming from the university to essentially becoming a pay to play? I I agree because like oh you're the number one. Uh, running back recruit in the nation oh if you go to oregon state you might sell ten thousand jerseys jerseys oh but if you go to alabama you're gonna send 10 million sell 10 million uh-huh. and guess what uh-huh. the number one recruit the next year if he goes to alabama is gonna sell to him 10 million and the next mm-hmm. year that number one recruit if he goes to alabama is gonna sell 10 million 10 million so yeah 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 oh no i know so I- I mean, and, and, who's you, to say, and, and who's to say it's not some rich donor who's buying all 10 million jerseys and shipping them off to Africa to clothe the, you know, people don't have any clothes. The, yeah, the, yeah, the Ethiopians do. So buy them and donate them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, that's the question. I mean, the whole thing, I, I didn't agree with it before because essentially you weren't allowing a, a student to even be able to get a job or anything to fund a de- decent lifestyle, right? Well, and, I mean, you got your stipend and you got your your because don't they give you a stipend right now? Yeah. Don't you get a, a, a scholarship and a stipend to live off of? Correct. But now you're going. I mean, again, what it's going to do is it's going to create even a bigger disparity between the dominant schools versus the secondary schools. At least that's what it appears to. And then, yeah. and then, how is Title IX going to affect that? 
because the you know a men's football player is going to make more than is going to be able to make more than say a women's golf player. Yeah, because he's going to sell more jerseys. Yeah. So how do you address that? More, more, more bobbleheads, more everything. Yeah. How do you address that? And well, I mean, I'll tell you right you know, now. But, what, but, what, but, I'll tell you right now too. Yeah. The thing that I brought up originally about this whole thing is, and a couple senators have already mentioned it. They're going to 1099 them for the value of that scholarship. That's well. Does that mean you're going to get 1099 on all scholarships now, or? Just athletic scholarships. What, who knows? Should you? Like I said, right now the government is ta- has, has turned a blind eye to those scholarships, and someone can say, "Well, I earned mm-hmm. it." Well, great. You know, you go out and earn money too, and and I'm yeah, ten ninety nine on my income on exactly. And right now it's uh-huh. something they turn Absolutely. a blind eye on. And it's funny because people are like, "You think it's?" I'm not saying I think it should be taxed. What I'm saying is it's a huge transfer of goods and services every year, be it through athletic scholarships or um, academic scholarships that's that's transferring mm-hmm. out there that the government is not taxing. When there's a transfer of goods and services or just wealth in general, the government mm-hmm. taxes it. I can't give my kids a, a transfer of at that at that age, a transfer of that amount of money every year and them not get taxed on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just saying this is going to come to a head. I'm not saying for it, against it, whatever. I'm just saying it's out there, and this will have to be dealt with too. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a kid who's financially right, you know, can't afford college without an academic scholarship, and then they're going to give him an academic scholarship, and then they're like, oh, and by the way, uh, the cost of the value of the scholarship is thirty-five thousand dollars a year. You're going to get a ten ninety-nine. So your obligation between your tax and your social security and everything else that you got to pay on this, this transaction is going to be what? Maybe $10,000. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it wouldn't be $8,000. Wouldn't be that much. Nah, if that's all you're getting, oh. it's probably two, uh, three or four. On 35,000. Yeah. If you're paying 10%, that's 3,500. Yeah. But, but you got to remember they can, they can um, deduct themselves and they, anyways, it's just whatever it is. It's just, it's there. So. Gotta get nasty. Nasty. It just, it'll have to be dealt with in one way or another. All right. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, good uh, update from Eugene Beach. All right. It is well, now. You, you know, you know, you know that Oregon's probably already got a, a group looking into values of these things and how they can market and how they can go after the current recruits. I'm sure that, um, oh, who, who's their coach's name? I always forget. It's Mario a crazy Cristobal. name. Yeah, I always want to say Chris Crystal Ball. Yeah, kind of. Um, like I'm looking into the Crystal Ball, uh, Madame Leota. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I just uh, just uh, wait and see wait and what. See. Uh, it's gonna. It's gonna. Have to I, I just have a, I just can't help but think that the Ducks are just gonna buy players. You know, we well, we thought what they did with uh, with um, um, what's his face, Lyles. Uh, Willie Lyles that uh, yeah with Willie Lyles we thought that was bad and you're I mean we're and this shit's going to be legal yeah well so they're, they're gonna have to do something trust me they'll 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 have to work something out yeah all right we're, we're well, worried about we're block. worried about Oregon here but you also got to worry about Washington USC there's a couple other schools that would fall into this pretty easily or hell you know, half the reason why the NCAA rulebook for football is so damn thick is because of teams in the SEC, the ACC, and the old Big 12. Or Big oh, 8, absolutely. sorry, the old Big 8. With like SMU and Texas and all those guys down there. Oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Beach, you ready to go under further review for week number 10 in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Yes, you know, I only watched uh, I watched a I watched uh, about half of the Oregon State game because uh, I was working at the working on the bed and breakfast. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting some reservations. So good. you know, good. People, yeah, great reviews. It's a nice place. Yeah. Anyway, um, so so I missed the first half, but I got the second half, and I got part of the Utah game. Uh, that was a hell of a nail biter. Yeah. Well, Beach, let's talk. Uh, all of the games were on Saturday, November 2nd. I've got our scores here. Heading into the week, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, was in last place with 33 out of 46. You were in second place with 40 out of 46. 
and I was in first place with 42 out of 46. And I will tell you, one of us had a very good week. I know who that one person is, too. First up, Beach, Utah at Washington. And we all I, – I am still on the Utah bandwagon on this one. Uh, we, we picked them to beat the hell out of the Huskies, but it wasn't a beatdown. No. Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley threw for one touchdown and ran for another. Jalen Johnson returned an interception for 39 yards for a score. And number nine, Utah, overcame an 11-point first-half deficit to beat Washington 33-28. Now, Huntley hit Moss on a nine-yard TD late in the first half and added a one-yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter to give Utah its first lead at 26-21. Huntley's TD run capped a drive that featured a key third and 12 conversion where Huntley was able to hit Jalen Dixon for a 41 yard completion. Huntley finished 19 of 24 for 284 yards. He was sacked four times and Utah had only allowed seven sacks all season, but all came in the first half and the Utes were able to protect Huntley much better as the game progressed. Now Huntley also had a pair of key third down conversions on Utah's final scoring drive, hitting Solomon Enos for 14 yards and Samson Nakoa for 28. Moss capped the 84-yard drive with a two-yard TD run with 4.52 left. Moss finished with 100 yards on 27 carries. Now, Washington dropped its second straight after losing to Oregon two weeks ago and lost for the third time at home this season. Easton was 29-52 of for 316 yards and four TDs. He had a nearly perfect beginning before a pair of critical mistakes in the third quarter. Now, he threw an 11-yard TD to Jordan Chin on Washington's first possession, and despite a fumble leading to a Utah field goal early in the second quarter, his 34-yard TD pass to Hunter Bryan gave the Huskies a 14-3 advantage. But it got significantly more difficult for Easton from there. They were leading 14-13, but he foolishly threw into triple coverage on the first drive of the second half and was intercepted by Julian Blackman at the Utah 8. He rebounded with a 40-yard TD pass to Bryant, but his next major mistake came in the later in that quarter when Utah brought a blitz. Now, Issa made a careless throw that was an easier catch for Johnson than intended target Aaron Fuller. That interception was returned for a touchdown and pulled the Utes within 21-19. Mm. I'm just surprised. It was actually a pretty good back and so, forth game. So, but Washington um, gave. Yeah, a, yeah. They, but I believe they lost another. Um, oh, who was their one big? Not Nakua. Who's their one uh, receiver? Who, who are we talking? Utah or Washington? Washington. I don't know, Billy. I don't know. Um, hold on here, I'll find it. You can't find it even if you had a microscope. Um, uh, Puka Nakua didn't play, and I believe Chico McClatcher's been hurt too. Chico and the man? Yeah. Huh. So, anyways. So he's, he's, he's had significant, Easton's had significantly less targets. So we all got the win on that one. All right, up Beach, up next. Well, Oregon. That, that could benefit that that could benefit us next week, though. It could, it could. Um, up next, Beach, Oregon at USC. Well, you and I thought the men of Troy were going to be able to pull one off, and Kyle, please just say your thing, Billy. I hate you, Kyle. Kyle thank you. Uh, Pick the no good, rotten, dirty, cheating ducks. Yeah, well, and he was trying to remember he was and? doing some he was doing some uh, reverse psychology too. Justin Herbert passed for 225 yards and threw three touchdown passes to Jawan Johnson in the second half. And number seven Oregon recovered from a slow start to cruise to its eighth consecutive victory, 56 to 24 over USC Saturday night. Now freshman freshman Michael Wright returned to kick off 100 yards for a touchdown. Shortly after Brady Breeze returned an interception 32 yards for a score late in the second quarter for the Ducks. Now, Oregon had released an early 10 to nothing deficit by scoring a touchdown after each of four turnovers by USC freshman quarterback Keaton Slovis during a 19 minute stretch spanning before halftime. Now, Herbert and receiver Jalen Red rushed for touchdowns in the first half for Oregon, which remained on track for the Pac 12 North title and a good shot at the college football playoff. 
Now, Herbert threw a second interception of the season and didn't look sharp early, but the senior NFL prospect went 21 for 26 overall. Now, the Ducks did commit 12 penalties for 157 yards and had two defensive players ejected, yet they remained perfect since its season opener um, after its defense thoroughly rattled Slovis. Now, Slovis for USC threw for 264 yards and three TDs on a USC record 57 pass attempts, but his three interceptions and a fumble erased the Trojans' solid start. Now, Beach, I have to say, USC has no running what, game. What? 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 They did, have none. No running game at all. What did the two players get? What did? Yeah, but what did the two players get ejected for? Um, one got, uh, one got two. One, one was for a targeting penalty, and another one got two personal okay. fouls on one play. Um, he kind of went in. The guy was basically down. He kind of went in and hit him, and then kind of picked him up and hit him, and then. As the white hat, the referee ran in and tried to push him off. The the guy uh-huh. kind of hit the referee in the hands, and I think that's what got him ejected. Wow! But yeah, fifty seven so, pass attempts. So when they're when they're ejected, are, are is that going to punish them into the next game? Um, you have to sit out tar- a whole tar- game. So- you have to sit out a whole game, so you get you have to sit out two halves. So if you're on the Last play of one half. I believe that's a half. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I think they, if as long as they're both gone in the first half, I think they'll be back. If nothing else, okay. they'll be back gotcha. in the second half of next week. Okay. okay. Gotcha. So Kyle got the win there. You and I did not. Up next, Beach, Colorado at UCLA. And you and I thought the uh, sun was going to shine on Colorado's ass this Actually, week. Actually, I think this is the one Kyle was using reverse psychology on picking UCLA. Yeah. They've won like three in a row now. Yeah. Well, Beach, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson passed for 226 yards and two TDs. Running back Josh Kelly ran for 126 yards. And UCLA won its third straight game on Saturday night, defeating Colorado 31 to 14 at the Rose Bowl. Thompson Robinson was 21 of 28 passing, completing 10 of his first 11, including first quarter touchdowns of 16 yards to Devana CC and 45 yards to Ethan Fernia, as the Bruins scored on their first three drives to take a 17-0 lead 12 minutes into the game. Now, the sophomore also rushed for 38 yards. For Colorado, Steven Montez was 21 of of 38 for 195 yards, and he accounted for both Colorado touchdowns. He had a two-yard scramble around left end to bring the Colorado Buffaloes within 17-7 midway through the second, and had a 27-yard TD pass to Tony Brown with 5.57 remaining in the game to bring them within 10 again. Mm. So Colorado not looking good. I so. hate you, Stella. Oh, do you hate? No, Chip? and I hate Chip Kelly. Yeah, Chip Kelly. They, I was I was listening to an interview here uh, uh, when I was driving home late last night, uh-huh. and I don't even know what the hell radio station I was listening to, but they were interviewing some player from UCLA, and it pretty much said, well, you know, you you got three wins in a row here. Uh, the the South looks, you know, it's not going to be uh, able for them to do much in the South other than to be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. So, but still, I hate Chip Kelly. Oh, I agree. I agree. All right, Beach. Up next, Oregon State at Arizona. And shockingly, we all picked the Beavs on this one, Billy. We did, Beach. How did that turn out? How, how did that turn out? Well, Beach. Oregon State quarterback Jake Luton threw for 328 yards and three TDs. Jamar Jefferson ran for three more scores, and Oregon State sliced through Arizona's listless defense for a 56-38 victory on Saturday. Now, just the week before, Arizona had fired defensive coordinator Marcel Yates and replaced him with former NFL assistant coach Chuck Cecil. But, Beach, the Beavs manhandled the Wildcats up front while churning out big plays, scoring 35 points by halftime and racking up 572 total yards for the game. Now, Luton finished 20 of 26 and threw two TD passes to Isaiah Hodgins, who had seven catches for 150 yards. For Arizona, Grant Gannell threw for 269 yards and two touchdowns who have lost uh, for the Wildcats who have lost four straight. Now, Luton hit Hodges on a 21-yard TD pass on the Beavs' opening drive and then he also hit a wide-open Noe Togiai for a 23-yard score to close the first half. Jefferson scored on TD runs of 1 and 5 yards, and Artavis Pierce also added a 4-yard TD run. Oregon State had 385 yards and a 35-19 lead at halftime. 
Jefferson then scored on a five-yard run to open the second half, and Luton's 25-yard TD pass to Hodgins put the Beavs up 49-31 to in the fourth quarter. But, Beavs, the Beavs had a rough day with penalties, particularly face mask calls. The Beavs had 12 penalties for 120 yards, including three face masks. The well, Beavs, was that just – were they just trying to grab whatever they could? A couple of them, yeah. You're just reaching out there and just trying to grab something and, and – uh, because one one of their guys got nailed for that horse collar though too, and that was a good call too because he did horse collar. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The Beavs' defense was led by Omar Spates with ten tackles, including six solo stops and a tackle for loss. Avery Roberts added eight tackles with another six solos, and Hamilcar Hamilcar Rashid Jr. put together another dominant performance with four tackles and three sacks. He's up to twelve sacks on the season. They're so just looking good. They're just, you know, I always, I always quote you all the time, Billy, when you, you always say, I just want to see constant improvement. Yep. And I really think we're seeing constant improvement this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a couple teams in, you know, the fact is there, there are going to be teams out there that are better yet, better than you. And Correct. Utah is definitely one of them. Correct. But, but uh, other than that, you know, we're going up against these teams that I think we're pretty, pretty equally compared to. Yeah. And we're putting on a better we're putting we're we're putting it together better. Well, and if you look so. at the Pac twelve this year, you've got Oregon at six and zero, eight and one overall, Utah at uh-huh. five and one, eight and one overall. So those two stand out. Uh-huh. But then second place you got Oregon State at three and two, four and four, Stanford three and three, four and four, Washington two and four, five and four. I mean, everyone's got multiple wins. The worst team in the Pac twelve, Colorado's one and five. And three and six overall. Wow. Yeah. So nobody in the Pac-12 is horrible. So and my um, thing is, look at last year, Beach. Look at last year. You look at every team the Beavs played last year. That team's running back had their best day of the season against the Beavs. That running defense was horrible. Is it perfect now? No. But it's much better. Is our pass rush uh-huh. better? Oh, hell yes. And that's what you uh-huh. just want to do is just keep getting better. Um, yeah, I was going to say something and I just spaced it. Okay. Um, we'll keep yeah, thinking. I can't remember. I was yeah, gonna, I will. I was going to add, I, I uh, we'll go back to the Pac-12 and the polls, Beach. Uh, the AP poll. Oh, oh that was that, that, that was going to be my question. Why keep looking up? Does it show Stanford is number two in the north? Stanford isn't number two. They're number three. Well, yeah, but every time I look it up, they put Oregon State as number three. And I'm like, but well, we have one less loss than Stanford. Yeah, but they've got a win over us. So No, we got the same. Oh, is that what they're saying? Probably. Because we have the same number of wins. Yeah. Even though they've got one more loss. Correct. So and because of the tiebreaker, they would they would go over us. So we've got a half okay. we've got a half a game on them in the loss column, but they've got a half <laughs> a game basically on us in the win column. Because of the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd imagine that's what it is. Okay. All right, Beach. So All in right. the polls. It's been pissing me off, Billy. Yeah. It's been pissing me off. So in the polls, Beach, AP poll, Oregon's number seven, Utah's number eight. Wow. Washington is in the other receiving did votes you, category. Did, you, did Utah jump up quite a bit? Uh, they both moved up, yes. Okay, because they were, wasn't Oregon like what, 11? Uh, I think, the, yeah, nine or 10. Uh, GC, do this to me again. I gotta pull that up. Um, I'd like to think you prepare a little bit better for this. I'm doing this crap out in the middle of a freaking parking lot at the Chipotle. Um, let's see. Oregon moved up. Oh no, they were seven. Utah moved up one. Okay. Um, yeah, and in the other poll, Oregon moved up one, and Utah moved up one. So. Okay. There you go. But there's going to be a lot of movement coming up because now all the top teams are going to start playing each other. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep, yep. All right, and uh, we will get our first playoff um, pull up this week too. So we'll start seeing how that's setting up. All right, Beach. it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week Ward. Every week, like, discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, this one is going out to, well, it's going out to Florida State and head coach Willie Taggart. Or should I say, 
or should I say former head coach Willie Taggart? Seriously. Florida State fired coach Willie Taggart on Sunday, ending his tenure with the Seminoles after only 21 games. Now, under Taggart Beach, the Seminoles showed little to no progress, and an embarrassing 27-10 loss to rival Miami on Saturday made it clear to administrators that they had to make a change. Florida State dropped the 4-5 and five and needs wins in its in two of its final three games just to get back to old bulge building. Last year, Beach and Taggart's first year, Florida State failed to make a bowl game for the first time since 1981. Wow. Now, Florida State University President John Thrasher said, quote, I think very highly of Coach Taggart and wish him well, but in the interest of the university, we had no choice but to make a change. Now, FSU raised about $20 million in private donations to buy out what was left of Taggart's contract. Sources told ESPN. However, an FSU official denied that the money was raised for Taggart's buyout. So they're not denying that money was raised, just that it was raised for his buyout. Now, under the terms of Taggart's six-year, $30 million contract, FSU's athletic department will owe him 85% of his remaining compensation through January 31st, 2024 which is between $17 and $18 million. The Seminoles also paid Oregon a $3 million buyout when it hired him away from the Ducks in December of 2017, as well as the remaining $1.3 million buyout that Oregon owed South Florida when it hired him in December 2016. Wow. Yep. So not only do they have to pay money to Oregon, $3 million to Oregon, they got to pay the remaining $1.3 million to South Florida that Oregon had to pay for their buyout when they got him from South Florida. Now, in both seasons under Taggart, FSU significantly underperformed its expected results from the football power index. At the start of 2018, FSU was ranked 18th in FPI. They finished 67th. This season, they were ranked 22nd at the start of the year, and they're currently 46th. And, Beach, wow. this, there, there's a, a, many things that there's a lot of jackassery in this one. First of all, Willie Taggart's just a jackass. The guy has never accomplished really anything. His best years at any of his time head coaching were mediocre at best. He has more yeah, losing when he records. Coached, when he coached the Ducks, they they were like six and six. Yeah, they weren't. They didn't. And everybody's like, oh, he's the greatest thing. Just wait till next year. Yeah, and that's but what it always was. Wait till next year. I, I don't. Year. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't think. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, and so, they went out and and uh, paid a crap ton of money for this guy, and he really accomplished uh-huh. nothing. He accomplished nothing. Well, and he left. He left. Was he was he a jackass of the week when he left? Did we make him a jackass when he left Oregon? Oh yeah, because he stayed for one year. Because that, that and that, he said all the stuff. Yeah, like, well, I'm that not was interested. just really. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Seminole from the get-go, and this opportunity is it's a dream for myself and my family. And, yeah. Yeah. So he was 10-2 and two at Western Kentucky, and then 7-5, seven 7-5. And five, seven and five. Then went to South Florida, 10-2, and 4-8, and 8-5, eight, 10-2. Eight and and at the Ducks, 7-5. and five. And Then at Florida State, 5-7 and seven and 4-5. and five. His overall coaching record is 56-62. and 62. What in his time there did he do? To deserve eighteen million dollars. I don't know. I always wondered why thirty million dollars on his original contract with 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 uh. And go get me wrong. I could never figure out why Oregon. I begrudge. I couldn't figure out why Oregon hired hired him in the first place. Yeah. Because I just didn't think he had that strong of a record to justify the kind of money they were paying him. I mean, he didn't really even have. I mean, the team he was coaching for was kind of a substandard team anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty, well, pretty and, lax. Yeah. And my, my thing there was, you know, I, I don't begrudge people exploiting their talents to make as much money as they can have at it. That said, it's why are these works. schools paying these this much money for a guy who has, you want to, you want to go out and get a, you know, a, a coach that has a, a record that would, you know, make that seem correct then great but there was nothing that he did sometimes you wonder sometimes you wonder if they don't want to pay him a lot of money just to make him sound like oh this is he's worth this much money yeah you know a little bit yeah i mean i'm proud to say is is jonathan smith still the number nine paid 
coach in the Pac-12? Yeah, probably nine or ten. Or no, he was number eleven. He was number eleven when we hired him. Yeah, probably something like that. But so yeah. yeah. Anyways, and so part of it is the schools pay. You know, this the same thing happens with in the corporate world, right? These these CEOs leave. They they do nothing if not drive down their company, and then they get a job for more money somewhere else. And I just there's yeah you know they it, talk about FOMO the fear they, they, the fear they usually of, jump ship usually they, well, I was gonna say they usually jump ship before the company takes a nosedive yeah they see a better opportunity and they know that what they've done isn't gonna do anything if not they see the 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 tidal wave coming to hit and they're they're gonna they're gonna get the hell off the beach yeah and so the the so, term is failing up they just keep failing up but yeah, you know they, yeah. they they talk about FOMO the fear of missing out that people have. Like they see something on social media and like, oh, I need to go do this thing because everyone else is doing it and I don't want to be the. That's what I feel is with some of these schools paying these guys money, you know. Like a guy has a mediocre season, it's like, well, we got to give him an extension. Why? Wait a year. You're still under contract. Wait a year. Do you really think he, mm-hmm. he, he, okay? He did okay, but do you really think it's worth throwing a bunch of money at him with an okay season? Wait till he does something great. Well, and do you really think that there's going to be another another team out there that's going to pay an obscene amount of money for a guy who's marginal at best? Yeah. And if they do, let them have them. Yeah. You know, the best thing you do there is pay him okay and <clears throat> give him a big buyout so that the other school wants to come in and get him. It's going to cost him some money. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, anyways, so Florida State and Willie Taggart, you guys are this week's. <laughs> jackasses of the week all right anyways it just kind of i was just like why do they pay him all this money he's not that that he's not worth it would would somebody like you know um nick saban be worth that money yes but what the hell has nick has willie taggart done to to be to justify that amount of money all right beach it is now time for our musical interlude of the week uh 1985 and uh my pick this week and you know i heard this song on the radio and i'm like you know what this is the song i'm gonna pick this sock, uh, this sock. This song ended up number fifteen on the 1985 top charts. You're gonna know this song as soon as I start talking about it. It's a single by Huey Lewis in the News, and it was written for ah. and featured in the 1985 blockbuster film Back to the Future. It gave the band their first number one hit on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and their second number one hit on the U.S. Top Rock Tracks chart. And of course, the song is. The Power of Love. Now, Beach, the funny thing about this song, do you know why they wrote this song and, and put it in the um, in, in Back to the Future? Well, I remember reading an article on it that said that the guys who did uh, the, the, I don't know if it would have been Zemeckis or who, but they were pissed that it didn't say uh, Back to the Future in the title. Yeah. And so when, when they released it on the radio, they told the DJs and everybody, make sure you tell people this is from the movie Back to the Future. Yeah. Because there was nothing in the song that really referenced Back to the Future at all. Yeah. But but and, do, you, do you know but but do you know why Huey Lewis on the news wrote and recorded the song? Have no clue. Well, the year before they were asked to do the title song for a little movie called Ghostbusters. Oh. Yeah, and they refused, and, and they then did. they ended up uh, suing Ray Parker Jr. for stealing. And winning, and winning, because it's a lot like uh, I Want a New Drug. That song is basically yeah. a ripoff of it. So when another another movie came along, they're like, well, and that movie, that song made a whole, Ghostbusters made a whole hell of a lot of money, right? Absolutely. Sold a whole yeah. bunch of records. Yeah. So when it came along the next and year, And Ray, like, Ray Parker Jr., I- yeah, Ray, Ray Parker Jr. made a lot of money on that song. Yeah, and that's why when it came by the second, the, the next time, they're like, oh, hell yeah, we'll do it. Of course. Well, and then on top of that, <laughs> Huey Lewis got the little cameo in the uh, so, in the movie. Um, yeah. So, Beach, the song appears early in Back to the Future as Marty McFly skateboards to school. Later in the film, McFly and his band play a hard rock version of the song for a Battle of the Bands audition, at which a character played by Huey Lewis himself is judging. And he tells Marty's group that they are, quote, just too darn loud. And later when Marty returns to his neighborhood. So now in the sequel, Back to the Future Part 2, the 2015 version of Marty attempts to play the song on his guitar just after being fired, but ends up playing it very poorly due to his damaged hand from his 1985 accident with a Rolls Royce. 
Now, finally, Beach, mm-hmm. it can be briefly heard playing in the car where Needles and his buddies are driving when Needles challenges Marty to the fate-determining car race near the end of Back to the Future Part 3. And and do you want to take it one step f- further? Go ahead. With that scene? Go ahead. Is uh, in in uh, the Star Wars story Solo. Solo talks about uh, about flying uh, and his buddy Needles. Yep. And that reference to his buddy Needles is directly based on the Back to the Future reference. Yep. And who plays Needles? So, Needles is played by Flea of uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That is correct. All right, Beads, without any further ado, here is Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News. that's a great song beach i i do enjoy you, song. you know i i i kind of wish we could hear the heavy metal version that marty was playing because it's just so heavy on the bass line when he starts yeah. playing it with his band mm-hmm. so i'm like damn you, you know 
Huey Lewis has always amazed me because when you look at the 80s and the type of music that was going on at the time, Huey Lewis was like, to me, like nothing else out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a lot of horns, a lot of brass, um, definitely not hard rock, not. They were their own was, sound. Just, yeah. And, you know, I don't think we've ever talked about Huey Lewis Doo-wop-y. either. But Yeah. But Huey Lewis is also the biggest man in uh, music. Because there was that gal, I can't remember who she was, the plaster but caster. she would take plaster casts of, uh, yeah, of of uh, of musicians and uh, singers' junk, and uh, according to her, Huey Lewis was the biggest man in uh, in uh, in the music industry that she ever met. Yeah, and he's never denied that fact. Of course, why would you? Yeah. But uh, then then the funny story too is Gene Simmons wrote a song called Plaster Caster about it, yet he himself was never asked by her for a plaster cast. Correct. So I wonder if she's still alive because I mean, that was, she was doing that stuff 30 years ago. Uh, you know, I heard I mean, her I, on the, the I, I, uh, I heard her on the Mark and pa- Brian, uh, show one time. But how long has Mark and Brian been off the air now? Oh, it's been quite Five, a while. Six years. So yeah, Cynthia Albert Alberton or Cynthia Plaster Caster is a recovering groupie, gained fame from her erecting her plaster cast. She was born in 1947. Wow, she's 72. Yeah. And uh, actually, there was a documentary called Plaster Caster was made about her. So there you go. Beads, but we need to get moving because you've only got so much time. So we are going to move on to week number 11 in the Pac-12. I've got Kyle's email here. And we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we've got one game on Friday night, November 8th, Washington at Oregon State. Philly cheesesteak day. Correct. Um, Hold on here. All right, let's see what we got going on. Oregon versus the – I'm going to have to think really hard about this one. Really, really hard. And, um, well, I think I'm going to go with the Beavs on this one, Billy. I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to – Jump out of my comfort zone a little bit. Kyle says, does Jonathan Smith have his team ready to beat his old boss? Yes, he does. Well, maybe. But this is not the week to stop being a homer. Go Beavs. So I, too, am taking OSU. Okay. All right. Next up, we have three games on November 9th, Saturday. First up, Stanford at Colorado. Um, I'm going to say uh, – um, the Cardinals going to beat. Uh, I don't. I just think uh, Colorado is just going to be sinking down the toilet. I don't think there's any hope for their season. Right on. So you say Stanford. I too am taking Stanford. Kyle says I'm at a loss for a snarky comment on this one. Stanford wins. Okay. Up next, USC at Arizona State. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Will USC be able to come to the party, or is Arizona State going to dominate at home? Um. I'm going to take uh, Arizona State on this one. You're taking ASU. Kyle's- yeah, I, I think I think USC's I think USC's done. I think after that that uh, loss last week, I think they're going to. Uh, I think they're just going to. Um, well, you know, Fold. like like they're going to sh- they're going to shrivel up like a penis in cold water. That's what's go. going to happen. Kyle says, yeah. "I know nothing about ASU this year except they play the bees the next week." USC. Big win. Completely demoralizing ASU team. All starters quit and transfer due to complete disgust with the program. Intramural Trust Club is recruited to fill in for week 12. Wow. <laughs> I just don't know who to take. I'm going to take USC. Oh. I'm standing alone. The okay. beach stands alone. And last but not least, beach Wazoo at Cal. Wazoo at Cal. Are they going to cook it? I mean, you know, I honestly don't think, well, I hope they have one more cook left in them. I don't think this is the week. So I'm going to pick Wazoo. Wazoo. Kyle says the fight for the bottom of the pack 12 Cougs win. I'm going to take Cal. They just, the defense is too good. So there you go. All right. 
That is that. And oh, I didn't give her stats at the end of this at the end of last week. Beach Kyle moved up two spots to 37 out of 50. You are at 42 out of 50, and I'm at 44 out of 50. So Kyle making his move here towards the end. Well, and th- we could see some very change here because you and I picked a couple different teams. So we, we, I could, I could possibly get tight, or I could possibly get my ass handed to myself. So I don't know. That's right. All right, Beach. All righty. It is now. It's now time for a segment that we haven't done in quite a while. It is time for the Tanner Boyle makes me want to puke play of the week. Does that booger eating spaz make me want to puke? So, Beach, I sent you a link. If you could open that up. As you're watching. Okay. Okay. Now this is Buddha Bolden. It might play across. It might play across my. If it does, yeah, I was it gonna does. say it might play across my speakers here. So okay. If it does, I'll stop. Buddha Bolden from the University of uh, Miami Beach. All right. So Buddha Bolden made a play worthy of celebrating early in the third quarter against the Florida State Seminoles on Saturday. Now DJ Ivy made a great play to deflect a Florida State pass into the air, and Bolden made a great play to track it down and make a diving interception. Then everything went wrong. Bolden leaped to celebrate his first career interception as a hurricane, and fellow safety Gervin Hall Jr. flew in from, for some sort of like chest bump. The two collided awkwardly, and Bolden fell to the ground even more awkwardly. The defense of the back landed strangely on his ankle, and you can just see it buckle underneath him, Beach. Okay, I'm ready to play this, so play hold it. on. There watch, might be an ad. Watch his left ankle. Ooh, hold, uh, damn it. Hold on. I got to make it big. I'm making it big. Rub on it. Uh, <laughs> I've already been doing that all night. What? What is it? His upper ankle or his no, lower one? Look at his left. I think it's his left ankle. Watch it buckle underneath him as he lands. Ankles aren't supposed to bend like that. Oh, God. No. <laughs> you finally saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard to see because it's it's it, the the camera angle isn't very good. Yeah, but you can cuts, see the way his up. ankle bends. It's not. Oh perfect. God, yes. Oh, now I saw it. Yes. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And this was his first career interception. Yep. So he had to hobble off the field, Beach. Now the the uh, Miami has the turnover chain celebration where they give whoever gets the turnover they wear this big like gold chain with a big U on it. Uh-huh. It was a little bit of a muted uh, turnover chain celebration because Bolden couldn't stand up at all. He then went into the medical tent to be checked out and was later helped into the locker room without putting any weight on his ankle. Wow. Pretty gross. And all of something stupid. No more chest bumping. And yeah. it was a really awkward. It was like he like came up to him on the side. and Yeah, and then he just kind of started falling over backward and tried to catch himself. And yeah. Just wasn't supposed to be that way. All right, Beach, we do have a home game this week. That means a Heinrich tailgater. So, Washington game, Friday night, kickoff at 730. Mm-hmm. What time? We'll be out there about noon to set up. And That's what I was thinking, noon. Noon to set up. Be ready to go by about 1. Yep. And uh, food ready about 3 o'clock. Sounds good. Going until 630. All righty. Cheese steaks. Cheese steaks. Whiz, provolone, cheddar, all the fixins, onions, peppers, mushrooms. I don't do fungus, Billy, but sure. I know. Um, the veggies, chips, dips. I got a whole complement of stuff for you to deep fry. Gibby went with me. Okay. Gibby and Jess are with me on Saturday when we went to Cash and Carry, and we bought a whole mess of stuff because we ate everything we had last time. There was nothing left. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So we got all that. Anything else to add on that, Beach? Um, uh, no, I think, um, I One think that's uh three o'clock food, clean up at six 30, come out and get it. Yeah. Yeah. Sound good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I always, Friday games are always a little bit difficult, but, uh, this should be a good game. I don't know if any of our, uh, Washington fans are going to be coming down for it, but if you can love to see you wear your colors. Yeah, always fly your colors. Usually, usually Washington travels really well, too. So, you know, I would like to just see a full stadium again because the last few games have been really lackluster in terms of attendance. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it, it, I mean, this should be a good game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. So, I right. was going to ask you, when was, the la- when was the last time we beat the Huskies? Do you know? 
2011, I believe, Beej. Because it's it's been a long time since we beat those bastards. No offense to our husky fans up there. <laughs> yeah, well, I call you a bastard too. So. Um, yeah, that's true. That's let's true. Let's see, 2011. Um. Uh, Beavs won 38 to 21. What was the game? How long ago was the game that we almost had the riot at for that bad call where we booed for the whole half? Oh, shoot. That was 20, 2007. Was it that long ago? 12 years ago. Yeah. That one, I mean, I still remember. Those those refs ran off that damn field. So, so yeah. they deserve. The- 2011, the Beavs only ended up 3-8. and eight. Washington was 6-5. and five, But the Beavs, uh, Mannion threw for 339 yards and two TDs. Wheaton had three catches for 66 yards. Or he had, excuse me, three rushes for 66 yards and seven receptions for 125. Wow. Yep. Oh, it looks like Washington had a backup quarterback in Nick Montana. Joe Montana's son. Yeah, did he ever go anywhere? No. Then they ended up bringing in uh, Keith Price to uh, to, – Stand in for a must have been Keith Price's uh, first year at quarterback. Okay. But anyways, that was last okay. time, 2011. All right. Well, a lot of time for records to be broken. There you go. I want to so, thank everyone for listening. There you go. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 133 of Illegal Participation. If you want to comment, send a suggestion, ask a question, HeinerTailgaterGmail.com, at HeinerTailgater on Twitter, HeinerTailgater on Facebook. Remember, listen and subscribe to us on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Beach. Billy. Next week, show number 134. Hopefully, we'll be talking about another Beaver win and be one game closer to possibly some uh, holiday plans for the Beavs. I would love holiday plans, Billy. There's a couple things that I have purposely not talked about. One is holiday plans. One is something else that the Beavs are very low on, which is a good thing in football games. They haven't done it very many times, and I haven't purposely talked about it because I don't want to jinx it. Okay. There's bad things right, to do can... in football games when you have the ball. Beavs haven't done it very many times this year. So, so got there, you. There I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. So hopefully we don't have any of those things to talk about either. So until next week, here's a great big Go Beavs. This just in. Oh, oh, dang, nabbit. Where in the hell? This is what I get for. Oh, 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 oh. A lot of paper in here. Okay, this just in. Yes, Beach. Plug in my phone so I don't die. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. Ha, ha, ha.